Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing today? All right. Some of you are awake. I've got a, I've got a question for you guys. You, know, you can raise your hand if you're here in person, or if you're watching online, you can just type in the chat. I have. But have you ever been really ashamed of something that you did? I have. I mean, I'm talking about one of those things that, you know, if you're laying in bed at night and you're trying so hard to go to sleep, and then all of a sudden that little thought comes in your, in your brain and you start remembering this thing that brought you shame, and now you can't go to sleep for hours. I mean, it's like a deep-seated shame. I've been thinking over the past uh, couple of days about a particular, I'll just call it an event in my life that caused me a lot of shame for a long time. And this moment was a little after Mason, our oldest, was a year old. Now we had found out that Caleb was on, was on his way, uh, our second, and we were only a few weeks out at this point. Oh, you're a few weeks out of Caleb arriving and, and joining our family. And of course, what do we have to do? We need to go out and we need to gather up a few extra supplies that we now needed for Caleb, who is on his way. And like a lot of other couples who are expecting, we go to Target. That's where you, that's where you go to get your, your baby stuff. They have this great baby section. So we made this plan. We're going to go to Target. We're going to grab the few things that we need. We're going to go home. That's it. Nothing special. In and out. Now, this particular day, it was rainy. It seems like most of my depressing stories, it's raining. But I'm not lying. It was like a gloomy, rainy day. Because of this, we came up with a new plan. I was going to drop Elizabeth off at the front so that she didn't have to walk through the rain. She'd run in real quick. She'd grab the few items that we needed. And then she would call me up. I'd drive back up to the front, pick her up. No big deal. People do this kind of thing all the time. So we get to Target. It's pouring down rain. She jumps out, runs inside. I go find myself a nice little parking spot away from everybody. A few moments later, she calls me up, says, hey, I get everything. Go ahead and pick me back up. Now, in the time that I dropped her off, in the time that it was... For me, time for me to go pick her back up, there was this long line of cars. Because I'm guessing that people were thinking the same thing we were. They're just gonna drop uh, their friend off, their spouse off at the door so they didn't have to walk through the rain. No big deal, everybody understands. It's raining, who cares? We're all nice human beings, not a problem. So I get to the back of the line. As soon as I get to the back of the line, uh, a guy in a truck pulls up right behind me. This man was not happy about the situation. And he wanted everybody to know that he was not happy about the situation. So what he does is he starts laying his hand on the horn. And we're not talking about just a, like, you know, one little beep, just letting you know that, he, that he's frustrated. No, he's like pushing down for five seconds. And he stops and then pushes it back down for another five seconds, right? This guy's causing a huge scene outside of Target and, and people that are walking, they're looking at this guy like, what's your problem? What, what's your deal? What's the big deal? You're just waiting, it's not a problem. We start inching closer. He's still laying on the horn. And I gotta tell you, if you're like me, you're starting to get a little annoyed right now, right? Like my, my blood is starting to boil because it's like, what? is your problem. 
if you've ever been to Target, I mean, you can literally turn down all sorts of rows and you can leave a different way. There, there's a lot of ways out of this place. It's not just this is one way out. He wanted everybody to know he was not happy about what was happening. So by the time I get up to the door, I'm, I'm so mad, so mad, but I'm a decent human being. So what I do is I pull over to the side a little bit so that people can keep going. I'm not holding up the line, no big deal. Elizabeth comes to the door, she starts loading in the stuff. As the guy in the truck behind me starts to drive past, I felt inclined <laughs> to let him know that I thought he was number one, if you know what I'm talking about. So I gave him the not so friendly uh, hand gesture as he was driving by and, you know, and in my head, I'm thinking, it's so hard to see anything out of the side of your window. You know how when it rains really hard, it's kind of hard to see out of that. So I didn't think he would even notice. And I felt so accomplished when I did this because I, I don't do these things. And I was like, yeah, I need to let this guy know he's being a complete jerk right now. Elizabeth again, loading up the car. This guy quickly pulls in front of our car, puts it in park, and jumps out of the car and starts making his way towards me. Now, by the grace of God, Elizabeth somehow had finished packing up the car and she was getting in her seat and closing the door. She had no idea any of this was happening, by the way. Totally oblivious to everything. I mean, when she closed that door, I bolted. <laughs> My self-preservation came in real hot. So I got out of there. This guy jumped back in his truck and then followed us around the parking lot for a minute. But then he got tired of that and he finally just drove off. And of course, I'm like shaking, right? Like your adrenaline is going and your eyes are wide open. Elizabeth's like, what's happening? And I'm like, I don't, I can't even talk right now. I'm just so scared of what just happened. And so when we get home and I'm kind of like decompressing and I'm really processing everything that just happened, I started to have this really great sense of shame within myself. And you might be asking why this guy deserved it. Well, I started thinking about it. I put Elizabeth and Mason, who's in the back seat, in danger. This guy obviously had some really extreme anger problems. And there's no telling what this guy would have done had he actually gotten to my side of the car or, or if I had tried to confront him. There's, there's really no telling what would have happened. Overall, I was ashamed that I did not act Christ-like in that moment. Have you ever felt like that? I did not represent Jesus very well in that moment, and I knew it. And I had this great sense of shame that overtook me, and, and I would spend many nights, many weeks, replaying this thing in my head, and I just had this overwhelming sense of shame. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like me, and you find yourself struggling from time to time with shame. But my hope and my prayer for everybody here today, if you're going through something, if you're feeling shame, if you're struggling with this, my hope and my prayer for you today is that the love of God would overwhelm whatever shame that you're feeling right now. 
Now today we're kicking off this brand new series called Deep Clean, and I wanna talk to you today about healing from shame. Now we all know that shame isn't a new thing. It's, it's been around for a long time. In fact, when we look in scripture, we can see the exact moment that shame entered the world. And if you look at the book of Genesis, you see a powerful example of life before shame and the tragedy of life after shame. You've got Adam and Eve who are in the garden. And when you're looking at chapter two of, of Genesis, there's this little verse that's tucked away that you probably would miss or you wouldn't think much about if you're not really paying a whole lot of attention. So if you have your Bibles handy, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter two. We're gonna look at verse 25 and it's this really short verse. And it says this, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Now for you and for me, it's insane to think about this, right? A life where you just have no shame. You have this couple being completely vulnerable. They have nothing to hide from each other. Nothing is weighing them down. They're just two people, naked, enjoying God's creation and they felt no shame. And then you know what happens next. The serpent approaches them and tempts them to disobey God. And then what happens is sin entered the world. And I don't want you to mistake this, they sinned. And I'm trying to like put some special emphasis on sinned because we live in a world and we live in a culture today where, where the word sin isn't really politically correct. Right? Don't tell me that I've done something wrong. Don't tell me that I've sinned. How dare you point out that I am sinning? And it may not be politically correct, but it is extremely biblically correct that we have a very holy, a very righteous, and a perfect God. And any time that we fall short of God's glory, we don't measure up to his high standards, scripture tells us that this is sin. So when they sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, immediately they felt this deep-seated sense of shame, so much so that they covered themselves up. And they went into hiding because they didn't just have this feeling that they did something wrong, no, they believed that now they were bad. They believed they were bad people. And, and that's why guilt is really different from shame. Guilt is generally action-based, but shame is identity-based. And I'll show you the difference between what they believe. Guilt on one hand believes I did something bad. That was wrong, I shouldn't have done that. I did something wrong but shame internalizes it. And unfortunately, shame makes us believe I am bad, I am wrong, I am dirty. We feel guilty for what we did, but we feel ashamed for who we are. 
And shame is a powerful thing that can derail us and damage us. Now, I have no idea what that might be for you here today, what you're dealing with. That's something that causes you to feel shame. It might be your secret. It might be that you are in extreme financial debt and you don't want anybody to find out about this. It might be your sexual past. It might be your sexual problems in the present. It could be an addiction that you don't want anybody to know about or that thing that you did years and years and years ago that you hope that nobody finds out about because if they do it, it just might ruin you. But here's what you and I have to realize. When we struggle with shame, shame doesn't have to be your story. Shame doesn't have to be my story. And it doesn't have to be yours either. That thing that you did that's causing you shame, our spiritual enemy tries to connect that action, that thing you did to who you are and how you see yourself. And when that happens, you start to believe things like, I am defective, I'm damaged, I'm broken, I'm flawed. Because of what I did, you have no idea what I did. I'm dirty, I'm impure, I'm disgusting. And the devil continues to whisper this in your ears for years and years because of what you did. And you begin to believe you're unlovable, you're weak, you're pitiful, you're insignificant, unworthy, you're unwanted. And without knowing it, we can take something that we did or even something that happened to us and wrongly connect it to our identity and we start living through this shame-based thinking. We start operating out of shame-based thinking without even knowing it, without even realizing it, shame can influence our lives. How can it influence our lives? How can shame influence the way that we do things? There's a few things that I wanna point out. How shame-based thinking can influence our lives. The first is this. We are vulnerable to perfectionism. How many of you would say that that's you? That you're vulnerable to being perfect? I would advise against elbowing the person next to you, even though you might believe that they are vulnerable to being the perfect person. But I know that that's me. What we often do is we'll try to silence our shame with a perfect performance. Look how good I did. Never mind this. Look how great I did over here instead. We find it really hard, really difficult to admit to any type of failure. And personally, I want to cover my shame with a perfect performance. The second thing is this, we are critical of ourselves, which drives us to become critical of others. Now this one's really sad, but oftentimes most critical people around are those dealing with the most shame. Shamed people tend to shame others. And what ends up happening is, we hate in others the very sin that we hate in ourselves. 
and we are critical of ourselves, so we become critical of others. And finally, we use self-defeating thoughts to shield ourselves from disappointment. Again, maybe you're like me. I have a lot of these tendencies. But if you're like me, you like to picture worst case scenario all the time, doom and gloom, as I like to call it. And you get me and Elizabeth in a room and we have literally come up with the absolute worst case scenario that could ever happen and it's always the apocalypse. That's it, it's the end of the world. If we just tell ourselves that, that it's bad, that this is bad and it's gonna be really, really bad, then we lower our expectations and then what? We aren't disappointed. But at the same time, what we're doing is we're sabotaging opportunities. We're sabotaging relationships because of shame. We tell ourselves, well, they're just gonna reject me anyways. I'm no good. They don't want me. So we don't risk the relationship. And because of our spiritual enemy's tool of shame, what happens is one parent might lash out for no apparent reason. Another parent might be struggling with addiction and get drunk and disengaged because they feel shamed. In fact, shame might be what drives your in-laws to criticize your parenting because they see their own weaknesses and own shame from their parenting. Or you might become hypercritical of others because you're hypercritical of yourself. What I want you to understand is this. Shame-based thinking, it's not from God but it's something that we all have and it's something that we all deal with. Now I've been pretty open about the fact that I've had a big struggle with like anger. That's been a, like a problem that, that I didn't even know I had growing up and I didn't even really think that it was a big problem until recently. And there was one event, I'll call it an event again, a few years back that it was the absolute worst for me. I was at my lowest point that I had ever been. And nobody would ever know outside of my house. You see, like the day of the event was a really great day. It was the first warm day of like the spring season. You know how awesome that is when you finally get to put on shorts and flip-flops and it's just, everything's great. Everything feels so amazing. There's nothing wrong with the world. I'm so happy. And we spent all day together as a family. We had great time. At the end of the day, we went out to eat at a restaurant we never go to. We're like laughing, having a great time, taking pictures, posting it on Instagram, posting it on Facebook. Look how great of a time we're having. But what people don't realize is that when they look in the picture, they're not seeing this, this problem that I have, this anger that's inside. So when we get home from the restaurant, after we posted all these pictures and we had a great time, I couldn't even tell you what happened. I really don't remember, other than the fact that whatever it was, it was so insignificant, it did not warrant a blow up. But something happened, something snapped within me 
And I'm just, I'm so angry, right? And I'm like, I like, I get like red in the face and like veins pop out of my neck. I'm not hurting anybody physically, but I'm just being loud and I'm just being obnoxious and terrible to be around. And this went on for hours. And if you've ever struggled with anger, one of the things that, that happens is if you're angry for long enough, you start to get headaches, right? It's like a rage headache. So by the end of the night, I'm like exhausted. My head's hurting and I'm just, I'm just mad, but I don't want to be mad. I don't know why I'm mad. I don't know how to get over it. And I was, I want to say telling, but I was probably yelling to Elizabeth that I just couldn't take this anymore. I just couldn't feel this way anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. I just, I would rather die. And I thought about sugarcoating this, kind of fluffing it up or dancing around this subject, but I'm gonna be real with you. I'm gonna be honest with you. I threatened to kill myself. I want you to know that. That's how bad it was. Now, Elizabeth, in like this act of like heroism, in that moment, called some friends and said, hey, I need you to not ask questions and I need you to take our kids. Just watch them so that I can work something out with Andrew. And so they did. Our kids went over, they had no idea anything was going on. And when I found out that this had happened, I lost it even more. I lost it even more. And we're shouting, I'm shouting, she's not, she's pleading with me, she's crying, she's on the floor because she just doesn't have the strength to hold herself up. You know, I'm putting my head in a wall. I just couldn't take it anymore. You know why? Because I was ashamed. I was so deeply ashamed of what I was going through and what I was putting everybody through. I was ashamed that I wasn't being a good husband. I was ashamed that I wasn't being a good dad. I wasn't being a good friend. I was ashamed that people would find out now. The secret was out. Our friends had taken our kids. Surely they're going to find out what has happened here. They're going to know that I've got a problem, that I'm just like everybody else in the world, and that I struggle too. And I was so completely ashamed. I spent weeks, months going to counseling. We went together, we worked through it together. And I'm thankful to tell you today, I'm not ashamed of my past like I was because my past is covered by the grace of Jesus. My sins are forgiven and he has made me new. The good news is I'm not ashamed of my past, but there is some bad news. <laughs> The bad news is I still battle with shame-based thinking. I still battle with shame-based thinking so often in my identity. And I try to compensate for my shame by trying to cover it up, by trying to prove my worth. And like Adam and Eve in the garden, I'm trying to cover up what God can redeem. Some of you, here today, you're followers of Christ. You've been forgiven. You've been freed. But you're still slaves to the shame of something that is just not true about you. 
What do we do about this? Where do we go from here? When we have this shame-based thinking, we have to move our focus from who we are to who Christ is. It's the only way to heal from shame is to move our focus from what I'm not, from what you're not, to who Christ is. Take the focus off of ourselves, put it on Jesus. Because some of you, even though you've been forgiven by Christ, even though God isn't holding your sins against you, and as scripture says, he remembers your sins no more, you're still living with the shame of the things that you've done. You're still consumed by shame. And you're operating on a daily basis with shame-based thinking. You're still believing that you're something that God says that you're not. Paul writes this in his letter to the Roman church in Romans chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 23. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Pause for a second. If it ended there, we could be ashamed of ourselves. If it ended there, we'd have reason to be depressed. We would have reason to be sad, to want to give up. It doesn't end there. Let's keep reading. Verse 24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Check this out, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The Lamb of God gave his life for the forgiveness of our sins. Because of his death, because of his resurrection, we can be made new. Not just that person over there, not just your family, you. You can be made new in Christ. We can be forgiven. We can be healed of shame. And the only way to heal from shame is to move the focus from who we are to who Christ is. I want you here now to move the focus. Whatever shame you have feeling inside of you right now, move away from that. Stop focusing on who you think you are and start focusing on who Jesus says he is. And what I wanna do here today, this morning, I wanna make this practical for you, okay? If you have a piece of paper, you get it out, you write this down. If you don't have a piece of paper, get your phone out, open up your notes. I know we don't say that in church a lot, but take your phone out if you want to and write this down, okay? I want you to fill in these blanks for yourself. I am not blank. Because of Christ, I am blank. Whatever that means for you here today, in this moment, what might that look like? It might be this. I'm not horrible, because of Christ, I'm forgiven. Maybe it's you declaring, I am not sick, because of Christ, I am healed. Maybe it's this, I'm not broken, 
Because of Christ, I am whole. I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. I am new, chosen, set apart, called by God because of Christ. That's what he's done. Mine's this. I am not unwanted. Because of Christ, I am loved. The shame doesn't hold me anymore. There is no more shame because of the resurrection of Jesus. No more shame. And I'm here to tell somebody, this might be the only reason why I'm here today. This might be the only reason why I'm preaching this message. I'm here today to tell somebody because of who Jesus is and because of what he has done, you are worthy of love. The cross was for you. The empty grave was for you. As we saw in Romans, Jesus looked, he saw through time, he saw you today, knowing that if he endured the shame for the joy set before him, you could be free. For your joy, for your freedom, your salvation, your forgiveness, your wholeness, your reconciliation. He endured the shame on the cross and his scripture says he disregarded the shame of the cross so that he could tell you that you are not what you did. You are not what you do. You're not what someone did to you. You're not what others say about you. You're not even who you say you are. You are who Christ the risen son of God says you are. And I say to you today, I declare to you today that he says, if you are in him, if you are in Christ, you are free. You are forgiven. You are changed. You are healed. You're redeemed. You're blessed, complete, chosen. You are accepted and there is no more shame. Because we today, here now, next week, next month, next year, we celebrate that God rolled away the stone. And today, here in your life, God is also rolling away the shame that you feel. Because whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. Today is the first step in finding healing from shame in your life. And like me, you'll probably have to continue to remind yourself over and over and to shift your focus to what Christ finished instead of what you've done. And for you, God may be directing you to do the same thing I did and seek out counseling to heal from shame. Or he might be leading you in a different direction, making you take different steps so that you can be healthy emotionally and spiritually. I want you to understand that healing is a process. It takes time, but God is with us every step of the way. Let's pray. Father, we come to you here today. Some of us broken, some of us hurting, depressed, 
struggling with shame. But we know, God, that we are not defeated because of what you have done for the sacrifice that you made, for dying for us, extending your grace when we did not deserve it. God, may we heal from our shame. May we not believe in the lie that we're not good enough, that we're unlovable, that we're unwanted. May we shift our focus from what we say we are or what others might say about us, God, and put our focus on you, on who you say we are. We are children of God and you love us dearly. Father, we thank you for your love that you pour out every single day. If there's somebody in this room that has not accepted you into their life, God, I wanna invite them to do that at this time. And all they have to do is say this prayer after me. Father, I know that I have sinned. I know that I fall short of your glory in every way. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me, that he was crucified, buried, and that he rose from the grave, God. And it was through that act of love, God, that we have been made right with you here today and now I choose you. I choose to follow you and I believe that you love me. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and we pray this in your name. Amen.